0: Get iXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off iXL membership when they sign up today at iXL.com slash audio. Visit iXL.com slash audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price.
1: Welcome to Curious with Josh Peck. Start the show. Welcome back to the Curious Podcast. My name is Josh Peck, and I'm your host, and your name is Listener, and that's what you do. You listen. Um, what a week. What a life. Come on, guys. We're almost there. We're almost through the holidays, right? Has has your ass fallen off yet? Have you made a complete fool of yourself? Have you drank too much at the office fucking holiday party and told Tina and HR how much you hate her? And I'm passive-aggressive your boss is and how you're really the one driving this machine and if only you were getting the accolades and the financial compensation for the amount of work you put in you could really take this place to the next level did you do that i hope not that's never a good idea God, you don't want to be the scuttlebutt around the office. You don't want those weird looks when you're walking by, like, the water cooler or by that big group refrigerator that everyone shares and they put their names on their sandwiches and shit. And it always smells bad because Diane from accounting leaves her fucking weird, smelly, you know, very uh, exotic food in the fridge over the fucking weekend, Diane. Diane! You can't leave Tikka Masala in the fridge over the weekend. God. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, no one wants to hear about your problems, Josh. No one wants to hear about your problems. Nobody wants to hear about anyone's problems. That's what I've come to realize. Nobody fucking cares. Even the people who love you deeply... They've got a limit. You know, we all feel like in, in, indebted to our friends to some extent that there's like a reasonable amount of necessary, like if you're in a relationship with someone, you've got to at least hear them bitch for five to 15 minutes. But you know, whenever I'm I'm on a, a nonstop pity party train with a friend of mine and I'm bloviating at nauseam about what didn't, go right for me. I can hear it in their voice. The first five minutes are like, tell me what's going on, bud. And the next 10 minutes are like, oh, gosh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I so empathize. And then the last, you know, you get past minute 15 and they're like, right. Oh, Jesus, is that a fire engine? I'm so sorry, guys. I record these things in my car because I'm married and I have a baby that goes to bed at 6 in the freaking afternoon. But, you know you, you, you know, you complain long enough with your friends and around anything past minute 15, they're like, totally right. You, you know what you got to do then. Yeah. Good. All right. Good. Yeah. Listen. Do it. And then let's keep talking about it. <laughs> well, let's let's keep talking about it you know they try to easily sort of move you know people can only take so much and I get that so we're not going to talk about me or you or us and our problems because we all have it existing on this earth is rather challenging and no one's getting off scot-free that's another thing I realized except maybe Chris Hemsworth I mean, listen, some people got a great hand. You know what I mean? I think it was like a Chris Rock bit in his newest stand-up special or his most recent one. He's like, some people don't get their comeuppance. Sometimes the other shoe doesn't drop. And it's just awesome the whole run. You know, maybe... I love that. My mom, and God bless her. And granted, her and and my politics are pretty much aligned. But, you know, listen, she's 75. She watches a fair amount of MSNBC. And she goes, I just don't know how Donald Trump sleeps at night. (laughs) I know that he paces the halls of the private residence of the White House. And he feels horrible. There's no way he can't. I think he sleeps great. I think he's like, Melania, what a day. Tomorrow, I'm going to shoot four under par at Mar-a-Lago. Good night, honey. I think he's going, <laughs> I think he's falling asleep like he took a fucking Ativan, you know, melatonin cocktail, and he dreams the dreams of a, of a righteous man. I don't think he feels bad at all. And some people would argue that he shouldn't. And those people should fall off a bri No, I'm kidding. Fuck it. You know, I'm, I don't presume to think that I'm right. You know what I mean? Remove the politics between me and 99% of the world and we can get along, man. We can find a fucking common ground. We can break bread. Gluten-free bread fucking, and everything, bagel, uh, many different types of starch. We can, we can, we can connect over carbs, connecting with carbs, my newest podcast (laughs) with my co-host, Teresa Strasser, who funny enough is my guest today on the podcast, whom I, I just... Teresa and I only know each other because I heard her interviewed by my friend Paul Gilmartin on the show, The Mental Illness Happy Hour, which is another great podcast you should listen to, and I heard her episode from like eight years ago, and I was transfixed with her story. I reached out over the IG, she responded, we connected, she came in, we talked, and I just, that's about as far as we know each other, and yet I feel like she is a friend, and that we are kindred spirits, me and this Strasser. I don't know whether it's the Jew thing or the... and Trust me, we talk a lot about Judaism in this episode. Some might say too much, but, you know, as my wife says, when you Jews get together, you sure do like to talk about it a lot. <laughs> I. Uh, but we just had a, an incredible time. Talking And and uh, I, I feel so lucky to have gotten a chat with her. She actually has her own podcast, um, which is called The Very Good Podcast with Gina Grad from the Adam Carolla Show called Easy Listening. And I think you guys should listen to that. Uh, again, it's called Easy Listening with Gina Grad from the Adam Carolla Show. Um, Teresa is actually a broadcaster who... You know, was a co-host on the Adam Carolla show for many years, and we kind of glossed over that. And my only regret from this interview is that I didn't sort of dig in more, but I was so, you know, infatuated with her story of her adolescence and growing up and the feelings and the things that we share that I kind of glossed over sort of the cash and prizes of it all. And we just we just, you know, talked from the heart, had a, you know, just some of that language of the soul, so when Teresa comes on the pod again, um there's just there's going to be more to talk about. So anyway, um do I have anything else? Anything else? I feel like I just introduced Teresa. I feel like, I I think I should just say please enjoy Teresa Strasser. Right. I I'm a podcast junkie, and yet same.
2: This is why I've this is why I've got a show. That's, really, this is what I'm here promoting. Well, I, I know,
1: mean, and it's a newly renamed podcast. Is it, it was
2: we never so we were Pod Soup. We never aired as that. We just um, pitched it as that. Okay, and then by the time we got actually around to doing it, we're like, oh. <laughs> Reached out like, can I have the name? They hadn't posted for like four years, so I didn't think they'd care. Mm. Um, but anyway, it's a better description than easy listening is. But
1: I like easy listening. It's right, kind of
2: seventies
1: <gasps> vibe. Mm. Well, I saw the artwork for it, and is it Eagles font? That is Carpenter's font. Carpenter's. I'm sorry. How dare you? Close enough. Yeah. Um, well, the name for my podcast is nothing to write home about. But I love your description that's on iTunes. Did you write that? Did I write that?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm looking at my beautiful producers.
2: It's, uh, I know it's you because it's in your voice. So if it was ghostwritten for you, hmm. you should, whoever did write it for you as you, you should keep them close to you and never let them go. Yeah. Because they get it. They They're get you. In. And the descriptions of the shows, do you write those? Yes. <gasps> That I do. I'm gonna be so flattered if you say that we chopped it up. I love when you say that. We chopped
1: it up good. We try, yes, and if you all
2: caps the good,
1: Mm -hmm. I will feel all caps good. Can I tell you how lovely it is that you've done your research about my podcast?
2: I binge listened and I'm I love podcasts so much. Like when I was a small child in Mm. the city of San Francisco and I took the city bus to school. I had a Walkman and I did not listen to music. I listened to the Alex Bennett show, which was sort of a precursor to the Howard Stern show. Mm. Then I went to school in New York and all I wanted to do was was listen to the Howard Stern show or I would listen to news radio back when that was the only talk. And then, of course, I I was on the Adam Carolla show, which was a talk, you know, when talk FM was a thing. And now I just, I love when I'm taking a bath, when I'm doing laundry At all times, I I love listening to podcasts. So um, I was delighted. Like, when you reached out, I honestly thought that somebody had stolen your phone. Stop. And that I was being trolled or or catfished or... It's funny. I know the guy from Catfish. I just listened to him. And by the way... Uh, you had a hilarious line that went unnoticed because I think he's kind of, he takes himself real serious. A little bit. A little bit. Little but bit. he goes, his name is Yaniv. Yes. And you go, under your breath, you go, what happened to the yeah? <laughs> what happened to him? That was a good yeah. one. I interviewed Tiffany Amber Thiessen after mm. she was no longer, she got rid of the Amber and I asked her if I could have the Amber. I that. Like and I that. thought I could be <laughs> Teresa Amber Strasser.
1: That's kind of great. Didn't stick. Well, you're of the Jewish persuasion, right? A Jew named Teresa. I know. I'm, Why? I'm a Jew named Joshua, but I guess it's that's, that's pretty very Jewy.
2: I got a cousin Josh.
1: Yeah. Rosenthal. So Jewish. So Jewy. I'm actually Joshua Peckerman, but my mom did me the favor of de-Jewing our last <laughs> name. <laughs> Is this commonly known? Because in my extensive research of you,
2: I found out a lot of interesting things, but I did not know that you were born Peckerman. Oh, yes. Very Peckerman. She didn't go down to Pecker for obvious reasons.
1: She has a whole joke where during the 60s, during women's lib, it went from Peckerman to Pecker person. It's a whole thing.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Your show is so great. I think I did listen
1: to five or six episodes and Curious is a perfect name. I you know it's I, I could have tried to level it up and figure out a bunch of different ways to say it in sort of a smarter way and yet I couldn't it just felt like overreaching. What happened to the? Uh, what happened what to happened the? To the? Uh, the uh, well, so uh,
2: sorry I mentioned catfishing because when I mm. when you slid into my DMs, yes, I was
1: convinced that somebody had stolen your phone. Well, I listened to you on the Mental Illness Happy Hour. Mm-hmm. Love that show, and I was riveted. I, and it's interesting because he's now sort of playing some, because it was 2011 that you had done it? Yeah. And he, so he's now sort of doing this thing where he's playing sort of the, the best of episodes. And, you know, I'm, I, I imagine we're the same way where it's like, I can power through a podcast, but most likely I'm going to listen to it probably in three sections. Right. You know, 30 minute bursts. I powered through. I was in. Thank I chose you. not to leave the car. I went to a drive through because <laughs> I was so hungry, but I wasn't getting out. So you were
2: listening to me, mustard, falling on your shirt. Yes. And I've never listened to that since I, well, I never listened to anything because I, I don't like the sound of my own voice. And I get self-conscious about um, my vocal tics, which we all have where you say, you know, or well, or now. Yes. Um, but that particular moment when he was interviewing me, I just had a case of the fuckets, mm. and that, that was a good thing. Cause I felt very free to tell him exactly what was going on. Cause I had just come out of this very, very dark place. And, um, and it was like, you're in a tunnel and then you get out, you're like oh, the leaves are colorful and there's sunshine on me. And I'm going to tell you exactly what just happened. Yes. So he caught me at that moment.
1: Was it, I think you had mentioned it on the podcast where it's like that beautiful space in between where you're just emerging from like the darkness Mm -hmm. and everything, all the levels are correct in your life. Like everything is in perspective and you wind up like missing that time once you're out of it because you kind of had that fuck it all mentality. I think a lot about that moment because what I
2: didn't tell him, um, and I'm debating about telling you.
1: Well, I think it's going to be okay. Curious listeners want to know.
2: <laughs> it's called curious. I just want to be very careful how I talk about this because there is a suicide epidemic mm. going on in, in in our country. And um, it it, it a, a few weeks, or maybe it was even maybe yeah, it might have been just a couple of weeks before I sat down with Paul. I I had a new baby, which I know that you do. Yes. And looking back now, because it's been. Uh, let's see, my oldest is almost 10. And I think he was about two. Um, So it's been eight years. So I now I I have some perspective. But um, I had really bad sleep deprivation. And it can cause psychosis, really. Yeah. Because when I think about it, I may have technically been having auditory hallucinations because my baby kept uh, you know he was a toddler he kept getting sick over and over he was at daycare and not qu- you know he's fine it was nothing horrible it was just he had hand foot and mouth he'd have an ear infection he'd have a sinus infection and and I could I, I was always alert to to the sound of him crying at night I was terrified terrified something would would happen to him and then I I couldn't really sleep because not only was he really waking up but I was actually hearing him when he wasn't crying. Mm. So, and, and at the time I was doing a morning radio show, I was doing the news on KABC. And so I would just like get up and go to work at this weird hour. And I think my whole circadian rhythms were thrown off. And I just started to think, I'm not good at this. I'm not a good mom. I don't know what I'm doing. And if I'm not gonna be good at this, then like I shouldn't exist because this is the most important thing for me to do. And that, and, and, and I couldn't get, um, I, I did I couldn't get any perspective because my brain was, was tired. Yeah. It wasn't recovering. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've done studies on this with, you know, air traffic controllers and things like to form a
1: torture. They use
2: it in torture, sleep
1: deprivation.
2: I was an enemy combatant of my, my child. Yeah. He broke the Geneva conventions on my ass. Who does
1: he think he is? He's a war criminal. Yeah, I, I guess so. Well. Now we know. Call Interpol <laughs> on your toddler. <laughs> but it's so funny because it, it, in addition to a bunch of people who are just plain old parents and don't have like the early morning wake up and the career and all the things you were juggling, that auditory hallucination is so real. Have you had that? Because I know you've got a seven month old. I do. And we'll put him down. Because you know, once you've gotten into a bit of a rhythm. Yep and you put them down, and there's some sort of disruption, it's bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. What's wrong? You would have see TV? Something some fall on the crib?
2: What's going on? Do you, have you ever had somebody – I don't know if you live in a gated community or what sort of manse.
1: I live in a two-bedroom apartment in the <laughs> slums of Brentwood. You do? <laughs> I have a podcast. I'm doing very well, Teresa.
2: <laughs> you have so many followers. That's why I thought I was getting catfished. I was like, Josh Peck is 8 million – and I was familiar with you from um, – John Stamos's Instagram where you guys are so funny and cute together and, and you, you you have a bro-mance. So, sorry, that's a very basic thing to call We do, it. yeah. I felt like a basic bitch right there. No,
1: but, Teresa, I we love it. But it's it.
2: adorable and witty the way you guys illustrate it and I love everything about it. So I was familiar with you. Um, so anyway, I I know that you have a baby and I I don't, so now I know you live in in Brentwood and not Negated Community. Have you ever had somebody knock or ring the bell and wake up your
1: child? Oh yeah. My wife is A good old Gentile, Irish Catholic. Same. My wife too. Really? (laughs) My husband,
2: Daniel, Irish Catholic. Love them, right? Love them. I knew I was going to marry a
1: Catholic. Beautiful balance. You want to know why? Because the Catholics and Jews, entire religion is based around food and guilt. Shame, guilt, and food. Yeah.
2: I feel bad. Let's drink some Jameson. I feel good. Let's drink some more. Yes. I feel bad. Let's have a kugel. Our people survived. Let's
1: have more kugel. Mm -hmm. And that's it. It's 100% it and my wife is so level-headed and yet if there's an emergency vehicle going by our house to go save someone, <laughs> a look of just pure evil will cross my wife's face and go and she'll say, don't fucking wake my baby. don't fucking," wake. And I'm like, you get them, Paige.
2: It, it's a homicidal feeling because I just got this baby down mm. and now this fucking ambulance has the fucking gall to <laughs> yes. drive down my block. Because grandpa's dying. He's already almost on the way out. Let him die. Yeah. How are you finding fatherhood? Because in my research of you, I I learned that you yourself did not have a dad. And I wondered if you were if you struggled at all with like not having a model of what it would look like, though you actually seem like a truly genuinely warm menschy guy.
1: Thank you. I Well, funny enough, in my research of you and hearing you sort of talk about your relationship with your mom and Mm -hmm. how sort of having your mom around early on when your kids were young was sort of like this weird dynamic of like it was nice to have the help, but also giving you like PTSD of the way that she wasn't there for you. I, too, was I mean, I was terrified and I figured I don't have a model for this and I'm rather selfish. And I'm a 12-step or two. Yes. Okay. We've got that. So we're basically the same human. <laughs> so I know, like, I'm very keyed into the fact that I'm sort of inherently self-centered and that kids get in the way of that. And I was, yeah, I was terrified. And I actually, in full honesty, can't believe how naturally it's come to me. I've
2: had the same thought. So that kind of happened for, for me later, but- there probably not a day goes by when I don't, I'm not filled with gratitude and I think to myself, oh my God, I, I'm i really good at, I think I'm good at this. How, I, in what ways do you think you're good at it? Well, for example, um, I think I'm, so my oldest is almost 10 and he kept asking me, he wanted to have the sex talk and like, I think I did a pretty good job with it. Yeah, I ordered a book. And then I, there was no shame. There was no, and then when he was giggling through the book, I was like, I get it. Well, it didn't have to be a penthouse diary, but. <laughs> <laughs> was that not appropriate? <laughs> no, I think I it's should fine. have gotten an age appropriate. So I, I also think, cause I have boys, I think I do a good job of, and I make plenty of mistakes, but I think I do a good job of, um, like uh, d- n- no toxic masculine, like they, uh, you can have feelings. Like that is sad. You didn't get invited to that party. That sucks. Mm. Or you know, you struck out, but you know, you took your hacks, and you're getting like next time you're gonna you're gonna hit it. And yes. and 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 I I do a good job of get like that. And also that there's a time and that now you got to suck it up too.
1: Oh, so you're giving them the suck it up conversation. There's a time.
2: Too. There's there's a time to rub some dirt on it in life. I like that. Um, I,
1: I I find it interesting because. I mean, I think the only child dynamic, but also growing up with my mom, who was quite woke and into the feelings and threw me into therapy early because she could foresee the storm of neuroses uh, coming. Brewing. Yeah. And, but I do at times, like if I, if I took any, I don't want to even say take issue with it because she did the best that she could, but in ways in which I would do it differently, I would, uh, you know, I think there was, there was a fear-based nature to my mom because Being a single mom, especially in the time she was doing it, unbelievable. And so she was terrified of me going out into the world or getting hurt Mm -hmm. or having something Mm -hmm. happen she didn't have control over. And now, and I have a buddy who said this, he's like, your job as a dad is to say, we got to do it. And I'm going to be with you the whole time. Yep. But we got to do it. We got to
2: do it. Yeah. I've had some, so I think, okay, per my mom, who, you know, was, I like to say benign neglect was her parenting mm. style. Like she wasn't mean, but she just had shit to do.
1: Yeah. Give us the childhood because I want to, I mean, I've heard it, but I want the people to sort of get an idea of your.
2: So she, so my parents got divorced. I was three. My brother was five and my mom moved to San Francisco. I was born and I don't want to brag, but Panorama City, Kaiser. Gorgeous. Roscoe Boulevard? So yep, yep, I think so. The the diamond of the valley. It is. Yeah. It is in that it was made by the valley squeezing <laughs> yes. so hard. Um with with uh, poverty and despair. Uh so I went to live with my mom and you know, she was like they are both hippies. They met on a picket line and then they they protested each other. Um so I was alone just in San Francisco with my mom, and my mom had a couple jobs, and I was very free-range, very, like mm. with things that wouldn't be legal now. Like? Uh, well, I took the Greyhound back and forth to see my dad, who was still in LA. At like six? but More like seven or eight. Okay. I flew alone from four to eight, and then the flight got too expensive, so then I went to the Greyhound. But eight is young, and like that's a 10 to 12-hour trip. Yes. And it's through the prison belt of Central California because who's taking a greyhound? People visiting prisoners. Yeah. San Quentin or other correctional facilities. Prisoner one seven eight three four exactly. Yes. I'm bringing him uh, whatever you... something
1: for the canteen. yeah, it, yes. some ramen. I hear that's what they like or maybe uh,
2: detergent. yes. Um, right. Maybe gum. I don't know. That, seemed, that could be contraband.
1: Yeah. Hot Cheetos.
2: Hot Cheetos. Yes. Maybe Takis. Do you ever eat Takis?
1: T-A-K-I. A delicious I Mexican those. offering. So good. So good.
2: So, yeah. So that was terrifying. And and we would, you know, have 30 minute stops or 20 minute stops along the way there at the Greyhound rest areas. Mm. And, you know, you'd have to make sure to get back on the bus on time or you'd be left there. And, you know, there was no cell phones. So it was just, I was, I was on my own. And, um, you know, my now, again, the best thing for my mom's PR as a mom was dying because that was the best PR movie <laughs> <laughs> she had done. Because I appreciate, <laughs> like, now that she's dead, I'm like, I, I, I really miss her. And I can look back and go, I am very confident about certain things as a result of, uh, like I, you know, I've traveled to the Middle East by myself as, mm. as a journalist during like an intifada, never scared. I probably should have been. But because the, they, at, at, at a certain point, I thought the message was, I don't care about you and I don't care about your safety. You're on your own. But since she's died, I've come to believe that maybe part of the message was, I really trust you and I think you can get by. You're tough. You're a survivor. You can do this.
1: Wow. Deep.
2: Yeah. And what was her and did you did Neve bring any of that when he was here or fucking just his, none of his it. super successful career that he's made for himself? You think he's happy?
1: Yeah. He's probably He's
2: so happy right now. He seems
1: very content.
2: And and he and that partner are like so close. They're probably like sipping out of the same milkshake right now with two straws.
1: They foster real relationships. Yeah. But I don't know. They about bring that. people together. They don't know how to protect themselves. No. Jokes on them because exactly. it's coming. The storms are brewing. It's all coming. And we're fortified <laughs> <laughs> with our own little bomb shelter. Of yep. Self need. Um was it did you have any insight into your mom's background like as you got older were you like oh of course my mom's this way because her mom was the worst
2: well her parents were immigrants she was first generation they barely spoke english right and Jews, Jews from Eastern Europe. Yes. yes, So I think there's there's generational trauma that you can't really begin to understand whether you're Irish, Jewish, whatever it is. And as Jews, it's just like we got to get out of here. Everybody's trying to kill us.
1: We're surviving.
2: Yeah. Like, Do we yeah. have time to let the bread rise?
1: Yeah. Fuck we it. Don't. Let's go. Take the matzah and get the fuck out of here. Yeah. We'll deal with your emotional well being later. Like, we let's can't. just be alive now.
2: And here's another thing I've started to realize about the Jewish survivor. Or a thing that I believe is cultural. I don't know if you'll relate or if this is a thing in your family, but there's an achievement addiction. Hmm. If you're not going to be good at things, if you're not going to go to Harvard, if you're not going to get an A, if you're not going to like be a figure skating champion or some other kind of winner, uh, you don't matter. Yes. You have got to achieve to survive.
1: And do you find that it's a, it's a particular type of achievement or at least me growing up on the East Coast in New York, it's very specific of like, while I think like my family can appreciate the fact that I've done well in the business I've chosen, I'm still the weird carny like, <laughs> nephew. <laughs> like they're like, yeah, this is all great. And you had your own TV show. But like, can't you just go to a state college? And I'm like, no, just guys. Just go to SUNY Purchase. Yeah. They've got a good drama program. Can't you go to Hunter? Hunter <laughs> in Midtown? My grandma went to Hunter. Right. But like to them, it's like, yes, but you didn't go to college. I'm like, but I have achieved more than so many other people. Right. But it doesn't matter. Is your
2: family filled with, I got lucky because I'm the weird Jew whose dad lives in a trailer park and no one's successful.
1: In Arizona, right?
2: Yeah. He's in Arizona trailer park. He has some of his teeth. Cool. Uh, Yeah. I know. Like when John Lennon sang about imagining no possessions, like he did that and he has no possessions. And I bought him a bed last month and he literally said, I don't think you should invest in this bed because what if I don't live that much longer? Then it's a waste.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's assuming the bed's going to stop with him. <laughs>
2: <laughs> do you know that the resale value on beds is like once you drive that bed off the lot and your dad dies on it, who's buying it? Well, you could throw it in a guest room. And then do I just not
1: mention where it's it's history? It's of rich Of course history? you don't mention it during the- <laughs> You just say right in there, the towels are fresh. <laughs> it smells faintly of non-Hodgkin's
2: lymphoma. <laughs> oh my God. My dad has that. He no. has that. Yeah. How's
1: that's he why doing? he said,
2: that's why he's like, I have an expiration date.
1: But I saw the photo and you said he just had his chemo port taken yeah, out. Yeah, he got the port out. He rode his bike
2: to get the port taken out. Jeez. And uh, yeah, my dad and I are extremely close. And you know nobody benefited more from my mom dying than my dad because the second she died, I realized that I spent so long worrying that she wasn't the kind of mom I wanted her to be. I wanted her to be the huggy mom. Mm. I wanted to sit on her lap. I wanted her to be at my ballet recitals. I, 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 I I wanted her to um, worry about my safety and, um, And not be weird. She was weird. She was look again. She was probably on the spectrum. She was a math major at UCLA. She could do a lot of weird things with her brain, like um, write a sentence on a blackboard from both sides in. You know, so she she might have had some some OCD. She had a very high IQ. Interesting. So she so look she and it took me a long time to actually believe this, but she may have been doing her best. Um, But but when she died, I realized. I just should have thought about what kind of daughter I could be and not what kind of mom I wanted her to be. And then I could have enjoyed her on some level. And and almost every day now, I think, I wish she was here to like just be weird with my kids. And she would be taken to inappropriate movies and buy them like too much junk food yeah. and, and probably swear. And I wish she was here. And the beneficiary of that is my dad because since she died, I've just been able to fully be with my very imperfect dad, because he's all I have left.
1: Was there, but when you say like, I wish I had just decided to be the daughter I wanted to be. But would, was there any way of really being able to do that until after she had passed away? Like that seems like the most hindsight of hindsight thoughts. It's so
2: hindsighty. But I, I, I wish, and that's why some there are a lot of people have tricky relationships with their with a parent. Yeah, a lot of mother daughter stuff. And there's many times you know people uh, will reach out to me a lot on social media because I've written about it, I've talked about it, and what I always want to say, I know. Can't be hurt. Like, it's almost like I can tell you this, but I don't know if you can register it until you lose your mom. <laughs> it's going to be too late. Right. I, I try to just say like, if there's any way you could just le- like, my mom would get into it with merchants. Like she would get into it. When I got married, she got into it with the bakery and it was pretty bad. Like right. I think she went over there with some of the cake in a garbage bag to Mani's with the weird Umlot bakery. Do you know the place? Is that place still even around? In the valley? I think it's, yes. In Tarzana? It might have been. And then there was one around here. It's next to the pavilions. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's a Moni's Bakery for sure in the valley.
2: They made an apple cake. And I'm going to tell you, I love that bakery. Maybe this wasn't their best work. And, okay. and, and my mom got into it over the phone. And then she might have dropped off what was left of the cake in a bag. God bless and her. And walked in there. And then they might have gotten mad and called the Adam Carolla show where I was doing morning radio at the time. And it was very humiliating. Because now my mom, because she went in there and was like, do you know who my daughter is? Great. At the, and who was I? I was a sidekick on a morning
1: radio show. That is the epitome of a mother crushing you on every level <laughs> crush me because it's like doing the annoying shit of throwing your name around yes. out of pride Awful. and then like dragging it through the mud yes. in the same breath i had to make
2: a deal with the call screener please if this ever happens like my mom's not you know she's a little off yeah could you please not put the person through and 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 they're like, why? This is this is gold. This is the kind of thing that that we're gonna want to put through. Please don't. Please don't. So I talked to her, and I was like, you know, when you go off on the Starbucks barista because your order's not right, like <laughs> right. I think now that they, there was something deeper at play, and I think when you're you know getting older, especially if you're female, you can feel like you don't matter. And people aren't nice to you anymore because my mom was very beautiful. And then, you know, I think she was, she couldn't, she started to feel like nobody, I don't matter now. And the way I know I don't matter is because Monty's fucking bakery fucked up my cake and they don't care about me. I'm not a VIP. I'm not important. And same thing with the barista and the waiter and whoever she was always getting into it with people. And I said to her, is there any way you could just not do that around me because it embarrasses me and people are working for a living and I've been a waitress, you know, and, and worked in retail. It's a very hard job. And also, could you not throw my name around? Yes. Cause it's very embarrassing. And like now I'm highly irrelevant and they wouldn't matter. But at the time <laughs> <laughs> I was 8% more relevant, but she, and she like, she couldn't absorb it. She just kept doing
1: it it's so it's so interesting like my mom is 75 and she lives in like a um in Marina del Rey in a quasi like 55 and older community mm-hmm. and with the best intentions it you know this is a savvy new yorker take no fucking bullshit like self-made single mom super you know superwoman and yet no matter what father time will get the best of all of us and I remember the other day I like show up at the pool with my kid to to swim with her because it's her favorite thing. And she goes, "Josh, good news! This couple behind me—they've got a startup. I told them all about you that you work in the digital. I think it's a, a match made in heaven." I'm like, "What?" She's like, "They've got seventy-five million dollars. I didn't ask from where. These—they this- might be arms." Dealers. This couple behind my mom was five years younger than her. I was like, no 70 year old couples doing a startup. I don't mean to be ageist. But it's <laughs> like, not happening. They don't have the finger on their on, on the, the pulse. pulse. They're not They g- don't even have a pulse. Yeah, no pulse. They're like, we don't wanna alarm you, but we're gonna we're gonna disrupt Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like unless your name is Russia, you ain't disrupting shit. And the, but, but your mom was doing a deal for you. She had dealt me in so heavily that I had to then have follow-up meetings with these no. people and slowly <gasps> ease my way out of it so that she doesn't have to hang her head at it's the shame fucking shame at the pool. 55
2: and over pool. So did you like, how did you back out of this? Like, like there's a robbery at a bank and you're just slowly backing out? Yeah. this
1: deal? Yeah, I just, you know, you just sort of, you strategically bring up enough questions that you know they can't answer Mm -hmm. so that they sort of get that energy that like, oh, this isn't going well. Was she trying
2: to be a macher
1: or did she really think she was helping you? Here's the problem. She was a headhunter as a profession. Okay. So... I think she now, but you know, she she was a headhunter for like multimedia and all these things that are not, I mean, they still very much exist, but so I think that's a natural crossover to the digital influencer space.
2: So those people weren't ready to disrupt Facebook?
1: I might've fucked up Teresa, (laughs) but I'm willing to take that (laughs) chance.
2: It's going to be a painful thing when we're sitting here in five years and you could have had a piece of that been on the ground floor.
1: I know when like Milton and Ethel (laughs) Zimmerman- (laughs) Are on the cover of Fortune, <laughs> and I fucked it up.
2: That would be adorable. Would, do you, did you grow up in the city of Manhattan, like on the island Manhattan?
1: Yeah. What was that like? It's funny, uh, uh, when I was listening to you, there's some um, uh, common threads. I mean, we uh, we lived in New York. And it seemed as though every time we would run out of money because we would sort of vacillate between being very like middle class and then having moments of depravity, like just like, sort of being
2: we're, like, mom's going to take four things out of the fridge and an egg yeah, and cook it together and that's dinner.
1: Yeah. And like, we might have to move in the middle of the night.
2: Right. Exactly.
1: To like a one, you know, to a we're crappy gonna, one room place. with We're going to sleep on the
2: floor. So you yeah. moved
1: a lot. We moved a lot. Um we would also make pig, uh, pilgrimages to Boca Raton, Florida where uh-huh. my grandmother lived. Sure. And go stay with her for yeah, two years.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so like when the money really ran out. Yeah. Now you're going to be in infl- But look at you.
1: <laughs> you did so
2: well. Your mom must be so proud.
1: She's really proud and it's it's all because of her and it you know as it sort of I think I was watching some like Great Jewish Netflix show where this, like, schtissel. Have you heard of it? It's very in. Oh
2: my god, I'm into Fauda. Fauda, good. Schtissel,
1: even better. Okay, Fauda is like Jason Bourne for Jews. Yes, yes. Schtissel is just like feelings for Jews. Like, it's uh, schtissel is like, I I don't even know what to to compare it to. It's just, it makes me happy just hearing you say schtissel. You'd love it. And I remember this guy on the show says like he's at his mom's retirement home and he's like, wow, a nursing home is kind of like an orphanage. And I was like, oh shit, yo, Jews are smart. Yes. But if you think of the cyclical nature yes. of life.
2: and Yes, because I know I'm going to have my dad. Yeah. And he's going to be in a diaper and it's all the way around.
1: Isn't that weird? Mm-hmm.
2: So I Then I've, I'm going to get custody of him, but give him back to somebody else, because that's what he
1: did to me. Put his ass on the bus. How does that feel? You <laughs> like the
2: Greyhound, old man? You're going to die on that, like in, um, <laughs> shit, John Voight and Dustin Hoffman. And mid- oh, yeah. Uh, mid- um, uh,
1: mid- no, Midnight Cowboy. Yes. Very good. I will
2: Midnight Cowboy your ass to Florida. I love
1: it. Thank you. It's, you know, it's, I wanted, before we go on, I wanted to draw a parallel between what you said about your mom and how you found this, like, not affection but like appreciation for yeah. her because it's so it, it's so common to what my mom went through with her mom because my grandmother fled here from odessa yep okay
2: like, yeah we're probably related
1: dude it's you know there's a lot of incest amongst I the know. Jews.
2: that's why we have depression and bad eyesight and breast cancer we're inbred really we're like inbred dogs
1: weird yeah If I ever meet a Jew with two different colored eyes, I'm staying away. (laughs) (laughs) Steer clear and do not. This
2: is why, though, I feel like I'm sort of happy I didn't breed with another Ashkenazi, even though I have guilt that the kids are only going to be halfsies. Right. There was just too much. Like, I have a light type Tay-Sachs tested for that. So, like, I carry that.
1: Oh really? Yeah, and cystic fibrosis. So Tay-Sachs is like a Jew only disease. Yep. And if two Jews carry the gene, Not good. they shouldn't procreate because yep. the kids could have it and I mean it basically it kills them at It's like a short 30. lifespan, yeah. Yeah. Um but it's amazing to hear you talk about your mom because like my grandmother and God bless her fled here, was like an orphan. Didn't have parents, did the best she could, was really beautiful, used her beauty as currency to get what she needed, and was like the most lovely, adorable, classy person, but like just a devastating narcissist. And if you learned about any of these personality disorders, like narcissism tends to lock in from trauma as a child. That's just what I thought. I mean, you imagine fleeing your home country,
2: everything you know, the language you know, the people you know, the streets, the food, everyone um, and running for your fucking life. You know, like that, I can't help think that with what's going on now. Uh, it's hard not to reflect on it. Cause when you see a a picture of a dad drowning with the child and you, you, you think, yes, okay. So like you're, you're running for your life and there, there, there is a trauma with that. And I do think it, it, it carries through a couple generations. How can it not?
1: Yeah. And I think this is like, an interesting thing with the, the child-parent dynamic because my mom, too, went through so much shit with her, her mom and, and difficulty and heartbreak because she just couldn't be a fully-fledged parent. And yet now my mom watching me with my son will say, like, God, I wish my mom was here. Just to see this, just to
2: see this imperfect and fucked up and traumatized as she was. Yeah. To see you with your baby has
1: to be such a mitzvah. It's so, it's such a blessing. And it's also like, it's so funny because my wife is like, you know, not bad on the eyes. And my Mm -hmm. grandmother I've seen her picture. She's a cutie. (gasps) And her dad was a quarterback. Yeah. Wow. Imagine me showing up at that house and her dad- was that? He asked me to play catch. I said, no.
2: Wait a second.
1: Yeah. He asked you to play catch? (laughs) Can like, you throw a spiral? Yeah, I can. But I was like, I'm not, I don't want to disappoint you this quickly.
2: <laughs> can we do this in a month or two? And I'm gonna practice. I'm gonna hire a coach. Okay. And then we'll play catch. Yeah. So your son's got the crazy athletic genes, right? Maybe and it's right in there. At
1: least half. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe he's gonna be everything. He could be. Why not? Yeah, an emotionally available mm-hmm. quarterback. Yes. That's going
2: to make him a better quarterback. It's all about knowing your players and vision. Right? I love that for him. I do too. I just want to, yeah. Unless he's left-handed. Because my older one's a lefty and there are no more left-handed quarterbacks. That's that's over now. Really? Yeah, I think the last was, uh, who was the dog kennel guy? Vic. Michael Vic. Yeah, and I think Tebow. Tebow. But they're not I don't think they're any active now. Correct me if I'm wrong, everyone. But left left handed anything is like a... They're natural athletes. You wanna you wanna be a pitcher. Yes. You know, and even um a boxer. Yes, Southpaw. right. Southpaw.
1: Mm-hmm. I know you like boxing. Teresa, I am so honored how much research you know everything you've got. You. I
2: but I have more questions, but I don't know what's creepy and inappropriate. I don't have good boundaries.
1: Let them go. Okay. It makes good podcasting.
2: Okay, but so I apologize if in advance. Okay. Okay. So you're. I know that your your dad
1: passed.
0: Yes. But
2: you didn't meet him. Do you know anything about him? Do you know the circumstances of your parents' meeting?
1: Yes. I. Uh, he was sixty two. My mom was forty two. So my dad died of natural causes.
2: Oh my gosh! Okay, wow. So she was forty-two. Yeah,
1: that's how old I was
2: when I had one of mine. Really? Yeah, I was like your grandma
1: Moses. No, come on, baby, you look great. (laughs) Stop it. I mean, yeah. Uh, He, from what my mom's told me, and she sort of adjusted the story as I got older. God bless her. Yes. To what I could accept. Right. It started out with your father and I. We were business friends. (laughs) We'd have dinner twice a year. One day he was separated from his wife. He invited me up to his apartment. It happened. We went for deli after. (laughs) And I was like. Wait a second. My dad's a fucking romantic. He took you to.
2: Gosh, what's it would have been. Where would you have gone? then? Carnegie?
1: They went to the Carnegie Deli. They went to the
2: Carnegie Deli. (laughs) Yes. Pickles on the table. Mm hmm. So that was like in the post-glow
1: of creating you. Yeah. They had some deli. Corned beef is like sperm rocket fuel. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Because at 42, it's not like you're the most fertile. Totally. So that you were just ready to be here or the corned beef somehow facilitated. Could have been the kreplach. (laughs) So it was one one moment that they got together in that way.
1: It was revealed to me that there might have been a second
2: time. <laughs> okay, okay. And then did was that followed by the Carnegie Deli?
1: I don't. It might have been Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> Why was it Christmas? I don't, I don't know. I I. What I found, an hour later they were hungry for for more. Yeah. Baby making. Yeah. They um. Look at the end of the day, I don't quite know. Like my mom was like, "Listen, like I didn't." She's like, "I'd always wanted to have a child. I didn't know if I ever would." And in this scenario, she's like, "I could have told him, don't like, but I just kind of let it happen." And I think he probably thought that she was older, and what are the chances? And right, he rolled the dice Mm -hmm. and uh, won. He
2: came up. He came up, uh, Josh Peckerman. (laughs) Peckerman, (laughs) and that's that was your mom's name or his name? That was her name. That was her name. Okay, so. That, and then they never got together again after that.
1: So as it's revealed to me, I think he was, he probably just cheated on his wife.
2: Okay. But well, I was going to say, and they were separated, so maybe they yeah. weren't exactly. I think. Cause I've had people tell that to me, and I'm like, oh, I get the idea.
1: Yeah. You're trying to cheat. I think they were, oh, do you have people throw that at you? I
2: thought that, yeah, in my single days, there was like a, yeah, we're kind of working, you know, we're, we're taking some time, you know, we're separated. No, you're not. You got the same address.
1: <laughs> Interesting. Call me
2: when you have two different addresses.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. So they broke, or so he was still with his wife, had three kids, grown kids. Where are they? They're in Florida. Do you know them? No. Have you met them? No, I've seen their Facebook. <gasps> do they look like you? A little bit. I can show you a picture. I think I have it on my phone. It's weird. Not really, but kind of. It's very weird.
2: Was there a moment when you were like the Josh Peck from TV and like you look like
1: them and you're related to them and like, I guess my only thought was if I have, if you were a part of a family with, you know, you had another sister and a brother, you're in your 50s, right? Because they're in their 50s and you found out that you had, like, a baby brother out there, I feel like they can't know about me because they would have come looking. Yes. I How can think. can not know? But that's also You're why. You're so I... <laughs>
2: adorable. I'd be so happy if I found out
1: that you were my brother. But I also would have ruined the image of your father. That, right. Right. It comes with that. That's why I, I've never contacted them. Because, like, because from what I've seen, granted, I never saw a picture of my dad. You have you now? Until like five years ago when we found his obituary and then found him on Facebook and not him, but like my siblings, because my mom just knew their name because she, my mom had met his family before. So we look it up and I find all these pictures and it's wild. And I, yeah, I mean, it was like, they seem to have a glowing respect and love for their father and and pictures of them at parties and holidays and I was like oh I don't I don't need to fuck this up for you
2: That's very sensitive gone. of you yeah but they might really love to know you I got enough friends Right I know <laughs> Look you got Stamos
1: I got Stamos You you know where the Yah went in <laughs> in eve <Ya-Nive? laughs> Where is this thing I re- I want to show it to you cuz I be Did he know that you existed Oh yeah. He became a real son of a bitch. I think towards the end, like, you know, I think once my mom sort of said, I'm pregnant and I'm going to keep it. He was like, he sort of made a big turn and made her do a paternal test that he didn't show up for. Um, and it just, and she had to like take him to court and he kind of like gave her a little bit of money and then never did again. So she was really on her own. And I remember being hurt, and then my buddy said something really interesting. He's like, "Well, majority rules, right?" And I thought, "Yeah, maybe." And that, he's like, he had this whole other family, and like, well, you know, if he had to three choose, of them,
2: yeah, and the majority ruled. Yeah. Did you have moments like I don't, I don't know what, what do New York City kids do? That's oh him. my gosh, weird, he's right? Kind of like dashing. <laughs> he's really handsome.
1: He's all right. Jewy. No, but he's
2: less (laughs) Jewy than I would have thought. Oh, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. How
1: self-hating was that of me? I know. Um, So yeah, anyway, I I never met him and I don't, you know, I don't know if I'll ever meet my siblings. Like, what, what would you do? That is
2: so hard. Well, now as you may remember, so I had one sibling, he died. He died at 47. He died 3 years ago. Ugh. Um it's a really lonely feeling. So mm. you've always been an only. So yeah. you don't kn- don't know The the difference, but I do feel lonely. Not so. I feel like if I found out I had a sibling, I would be. It would probably be scary. I would be like, "Hi, I'm here. What are we gonna do? Do you want to get manny (laughs) patties? Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I'm so needy right now. Hi, best friend. Hi, lost my mom and brother. Can we just hang out all the time? I need closeness of a familial nature. But I I, I do think it, it, it would be it would be amazing just to when you because with with my with my brother you just you have like so much genetics in common mm. like you look in someone's face and they look like you and I'm sure you, you, you may be having that with your baby
1: it's very trippy and and I, I I don't know like I look at him and I think God like how can because I really think about my dad now and it gave me two feelings a I felt very bad for him that he missed all that yes but then I also think like how could I leave you yes yes how now that you've
2: experienced it so you've held your son yes and you you've the thing that like i remember seeing people on late night talk shows that just had kids and they do the like i've never felt a love like this <laughs> and you go what are you talking about but then you you have that experience where you're like oh my gosh it Deeply love this being so much, and then if you've had some sort of abandonment, whether it's literal and physical in your case, or sort of half and half, like yeah. these, or it's like spirit, like my dad did win custody and then give me back to my mom. Um, so you you now you're like, oh my god, you felt like this, or yes. you should have felt this, and then you gave me a way like how could you have I have trouble like when my son is at a sleepover mm. like i I have like worry and and I, I i'm like oh you're you're not here I'm sad I miss you I mean five minutes after he gets home he'll get on my nerves but but the, the, <laughs> right. the point is like can you imagine having that the feeling that you've experienced with your baby and then just being like I can't ever see you again I've got to go
1: But I think it's so reminiscent of your point when you were talking about your darkest days and how you were thinking about because you felt as though you were inadequate as a parent. Yeah, I was scared. And I I imagine there was some mirroring going on in the sense of like, I know that my dad was a piece of shit and like, to me at least. Right. And that if I didn't... If I perpetuated that cycle, like on an evolutionary basis, right. like if I was not a good dad to my son, I would feel like, oh, I'm truly worthless. The, yes. I, I just perpetuated this cycle. Right. Like, this That was the feeling
2: yeah. at, at the time. Because I remember even going to my therapist, Sharon and Tarzana. <laughs> and then,
1: Great uh, place for therapists. It's the
2: best place. Mine's
1: in Sherman Oaks.
2: Oh, good.
1: Right? The, the Valley is a hotbed for therapists. To this
2: day, when I drive by her exit, I feel a sense of relief. Like, I'm about to talk to somebody who's really warm and has, like, amber beads and a chunky sweater. Yeah. And she's just going to love me. Cheap office space. Yes! <laughs> the rent on Sharon's office had had to be, like, $42. I'm sure it's a steal. You could also sometimes hear the therapy sessions in the adjoining rooms. Well,
1: that's an unethical. Well, yeah, <laughs> no, you know, you're no, right.
2: That's a HIPAA
1: violation.
2: <laughs> um, I'm glad your your child's um, healing through play, but could they keep it down? Yeah, because I've got problems. Um, but I I, I remember talk, talking um to her when I was pregnant and saying, like, what if I don't attach to the baby? What if I don't love the baby? Because I don't know that my mom really had that that sort of, you know, she did a lot of things right, and she she. By the way, she never said you can't be a writer. You shouldn't do that. You should have a real job. Like she she supported me in some ways incredibly. But um, she just didn't have like sort of a nat- natural basic attachment. And my therapist said, that's not going to happen to you. How do you know? I will pay you a million dollars if you don't love this baby. And it was the best therapy anyone's ever given me. And I know that's not how they teach you to do it mm. uh, with betting. A, a lot of money with your client that they're going to be okay. I think Carl Jung talked about that. <laughs> <laughs> Jung was the first one to put down he go uh, 3 to 1. It's rather jungian. <laughs> it's so jungian. He yeah. just play, yeah, Freud, look. <laughs> um I'm going to give you I'm not good with gambling odds, but um yeah, so she and and then I, you know, I um during this time when I started getting sleep deprived, I think she could tell because when people have sleep deprivation, they don't look right mm. and they don't act right. And I started showing up there and she's, she hinted that like, maybe you should take some time off of work. Maybe you should just take a few days. Maybe can Daniel, you know, watch, watch the baby for a while. Um, but a weird thing about when you're going off the deep end is that inherent to going off the deep end is that you, you can't help yourself because you're not ra- thinking rationally. Right. you don't know that you're going off the deep end precisely because you're going you, you you're drowning and and I remember like thinking uh like what like what you were saying like I if I'm gonna somehow perpetuate this thing where I'm not good at this and it's I can't do it like there's no way I can it, I can't I knew this I can't exist on this earth without being like a a, a with my child I have to take care of my child but trying to take care of my child fills me with fear and dread because I don't think I'm doing it right now I got something just clicked when he was around three and a half um I read some books that were helpful and I think he was just like a really challenging baby and it just got easier but at that moment um and this, this is like this is the most important thing that I could share is that like at that moment I couldn't see the possibility that things would arise and pass away like as as a Buddhist would say I I couldn't see that like this is a feeling right now and it's not always going to going to be this way there's no way I could conceive of like you know the past like say the past summer where I just watched my son play baseball he was on all stars and so he was playing all summer and he just like thought I'm so like I'm so filled with joy that I get to have this experience with this amazing child and like he's mine and 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 his little brother too but in that moment driving out um, down the 101 after seeing Sharon I just thought I can't get out of this because if I can't be a good mom and I can't leave my child then I don't what am I going to do I couldn't see a third option I just couldn't see it but I really I just needed a sleep jeez Yeah, and I remember pulling over and I thought like, I don't know, like I had like these, these, what they would call ideation, I guess. Like I thought like, how how am I gonna get out of this? I've got to get out of this. And I was like, had my laptop and I was Googling like, where are gun shops? But I had never held a gun. I didn't know how to shoot a gun. I didn't have a gun. Um, And thank God I didn't because um, the solution to my problems was so readily available, you know, and and um, and it was like what, what I talked about with Paul at that time was um, just thinking about my dad because mm. I remember like when I was again I was not in my right mind because I I was an enemy combatant and I hadn't slept but I I I I, I, rem- I remember um, saying like well everybody's going to be okay without and you know what they're not they're not because that's a it, anybody knows and like I'm not an expert and I haven't had this you know there, there have been quite a few suicides in my family because again Ashkenazi right depression talked about your aunt he, my my mom's sister yeah um and then two of my grandfather's siblings so um they're, they're like there's uh no one would have been okay it would have been something that haunted the people around me forever yeah,
1: permeates everything right it's funny too and, and you know I have like I've got 11 years sober, and it seems to be with anything, and not, to, um, not a, to lessen it in any way, but sort of suicide is the ultimate selfish act. And, you know, addiction is inherently selfish. And what you would hear a lot of people talk about um, early on in sobriety was like, well, I just figured I wasn't hurting anyone but me. And that seems to be like this weird mantra of like the self-inflicting crazy addict. And it's funny because I think about my family tree and my grandfather was like a Jew who owned a factory in Newark, who drank every day, smoked 10 cigars a day, ate and raged and dropped dead at 50. Now, this was 1960. So he was probably just an undiagnosed alcoholic but he was nice enough to give this trait to my mom who, you know, got into 12 step early, but still suffered a lot throughout her life. And then I picked it up and I got into 12 step even earlier. And now I look at my kid and think, wow, like there is a very good chance that you will only be mildly dysfunctional, but it took four generations to correct. Well, that makes sense when you think about the trauma of people fleeing a
2: war. Mm. It's going to take maybe four generations. You know, it's going to take some time
1: for the for the trauma to heal. But I imagine suicide in the same way would take generations. I think so for the family tree to recover from that I kind of trauma. So. I yeah. think so.
2: Well, I I I um I made. Um, not that therapist. I, this is going to be a big shocker, but I've had more than one therapist in in, in different states. Get out of town. Cities. <laughs> many always, different sorts. Always women? Yeah. I would never have a male therapist.
1: I would never have a female therapist. You never should, right? I don't think so.
2: Because I- a, a male for you is you've got that father-sized hole Oh yeah, in the heart. For like, sure. Right? Yeah and your mom was like mama bear like she was there for you Mm. she was always there and maybe uh as you act you called her boss and she got upset but i don't think you you have that hole yes like this right and um same plus I, i i think i started having women when i was younger um when this would have been more of an issue but i feel like Oh, how was I going to not have like a sexual chemistry of some kind with a male where I was going to somehow try to flirt or want to be attractive? And that is not a good part of the therapeutic process.
1: Yeah, because there is sort of like a natural... I remember I got really sick and I got saved by this woman who's become sort of a good family friend of ours, but I was in the hospital for like a week and... I remember being 21 and, you know, she was like this lovely woman who's a friend now, but, you know, this like she had three kids and she was in her early 40s, like not necessarily my type. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, I love you I, because she was so powerful. Yes. Yeah. And
2: this is why in 12 Step we get a same gender sponsor,
1: right? Right. Right. Because let's not. Let's not fuck around. Blur. There's enough. Let's not blur. Will you talk about... Just because I think it's fascinating, and you hinted about sort of your relationship with your mom and dad, sort of like your wicked stepmom, and what that dynamic was like. (laughs) 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 Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. Well, get,
2: let me, I just really got to wrap up the other therapy thing. Only because um, this is important to our, to our uh, dis- any discussion of suicide is just a, I'm very self-conscious that I'm not doing this properly. I'm not an expert. I'm just somebody who's had a couple hard times and gone through them. But um, I went to a grief counselor mm. after my mom and brother died. They died four months apart. So I went to a grief counselor and I made her rank the griefs because I didn't feel like I should be as sad as I was about my brother. Because people, you know, lose the, lose their children and, and have like a horrendous, awful losses. And I thought like, how come I can't move on from this? Yeah. And then I made her rank the griefs. And of course, she was like 80 with a blind lapdog petting it. And i um, <laughs> an amazing grief counselor. Like top, like she's the therapist that all the therapists go to or send their kids to. So I knew she was good. Yeah. And like she resisted because that's, why would you rank the types of grief? That's not a thing that any therapist should do. But I was persistent. Yeah, it's like Yelp. <laughs> <laughs> brother three and a half <laughs> right. you want five stars you're gonna uh but i finally i backed her into a corner and i finally got her to give me a little bit of a ranking but what she put at the top was um oh my god i'm sorry that i'm going so dark here but um was uh, lo- losing a child to suicide that, that she didn't say that's what, what she said was in her diplomatic therapist way, that's a very complicated kind of grief because with it is like there's the loss and then there's some, some, some guilt and some shame and it's complicated. So I, will, I just I will just say that because that is a thing to keep in mind as well as the fact that as uh, is, is difficult as it is to sustain and tolerate at high level of emotional pain. like if you can just do it, and and just like if you can just let the storm pass, yeah. Um, you know, blah blah. Um, okay, so that's I just wanted to share that.
1: Oh yeah, this look, this is what it's incredible listening to you on on the Mental Illness Happy Hour and podcasts like that, like the power of Me Too, in hearing someone share. I mean that the disease of depression or addiction or whatever it wants us alone.
2: Yes, and you think no one's ever felt this fucking bad. Yes. No mother has ever doubted her ability to be a good mom before. I'm the first one this has ever happened to. Or no one's ever thought, my career is over. I'm never going to work again. I'm a piece of shit. Or whatever. The thing, or nobody's ever had their heart broken. Right. You know, things that, um, you know, can... Uh, trigger a depression and there's so many biochemical things that we don't understand and maybe you and I have the Ashkenazi you know bent towards some biochemical imbalances and shit. I'm so glad I have
1: something new to blame. Isn't that great? (laughs) Yeah the Ashkenazi Jew effect. I don't like the presumptive you're welcome. (laughs) It's so annoying when people do that.
2: Uh, I had an evil stepmother. I was very happy when she died. And one of my favorite things I ever wrote was, it's not really an obituary, because that's what it was. <laughs> 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 like, if I could have danced on her grave, like, she, she was just, she was an awful person. And um, she she got with my dad just after my parents broke up. I think I was three and a half at the time. And, you know, when I wrote about it, I I... I I interviewed a rabbi, I had to talk to some people, what spiritually, like, what am I doing here? Because I feel genuine joy. And to this day, many, many years later, there's times when it'll dawn on me that she's gone, and I'll, I'll, I'll be happy all over again. I'm so glad
1: you're not here. Good for you. But I mean, tell the people, she basically separated you.
2: Yeah, she was the one that told my, there was a custody battle. It was this may be family lore, but it was the first or one of the first times that a mother lost custody cuz back then just unless you were a really cr- crack addict, prostitute, you're a mom, you got the kids. Right. And the my mom's lawyer said no mother has lost custody for moving to take a better job. My mom was gonna move to Chicago to take a better job so she could have more money so she could raise us. Sure. And um yeah, she lost. And when she died in her like little weird, hoardy Vegas home with ten thousand blue vases was the typed, the original typed appeal that her lawyer wrote trying to get us back. Trying to get that me, me and my brother back, but she, uh, so so my dad had us, and then he was having a hard time. So we were three and five; we were all fucked up. Mm. And um, she convinced
1: my dad that he should
2: return one of, one of us, and it was me. So that's how I went to live with my mom.
1: And on the merit or because of abuse, like that, she was afraid.
2: Yeah, what she said was that she had been sexually abused by her dad. Right. And she said, I know all about this because I was abused by my dad and I can see that this is, um, I see that something's not right with your relationship because you guys are too close and that's so you should send her away to like to pr- protect her from you. But meanwhile, that's ridiculous. I mean, that's just not how, uh, you know, that's just not how sexual abuse happens. Right. You know, like that wasn't a thing in my dad's history, nor was it ever any, you know, like it was just what what I think was that it was probably triggering to have a little girl around for her mm. when I try and have a loving attitude towards her, which clearly I haven't been that great at doing.
1: That's thoroughly evil.
2: <laughs> Isn't that evil? And then when I I'd, I'd go, I'd see my dad once a month, I'd see them. And um, yeah, I got the dog blanket to sleep with. And I was like, yeah, it was, I, it was bad. I mean, it was very Dickensian um, uh, abuse.
1: But, but they stayed together till her. Till she died. When, on which... the greatest day.
2: I should actually know the day so I can celebrate.
1: <laughs> December 7th.
2: <laughs> oh, wait, that's D-Day.
1: Oh, wait, yeah. Yeah. Another,
2: well, uh, another. Death Day.
1: Death Day. Delightful day. A bad day because we entered World War II. For right. that reason, it was bad. Yes. Sure. <laughs> um, so so one thing that we share uh, amongst a million other things is our odd relationship with food.
2: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yes. And this is why I was in a support group.
1: Yeah. So were you chubby? Because I looked at some pictures. Some might say chubby.
2: How much? Like how? What are we talking? Like right
1: and, like, morbidly obese. <laughs> <laughs> Cut right to the chase. Just, I don't know. I mean, most kids go through that stage where they're, like, five eight two ninety, 2'90", right?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah!
1: Kevin, You no.
2: guys? Did you? <laughs> this guy's ripped. He's probably never been fat. I know. You can't understand what it's like to I, struggle.
1: I'm telling you, I, I keep him here just to look at sometimes. <laughs> I know. He's so pretty with his tattoos. <laughs> and she's pretty, too. Gorgeous. We have a beautiful
2: team. You really do. I'm lucky. Um, I was were, very
1: fat. Very, you were very fat. Ve- were
2: you 290?
1: Yeah. Wow. I lost 100 pounds. How
2: did you do that?
1: Um, I, I did Atkins, which is now keto. Yes. <laughs> my, isn't that weird? Isn't it? Poor Dr. Atkins. I know. He took the fall, and now it's back. And now it's back, and everyone's like, cool, I'll put eight pounds of heavy cream in my coffee.
2: It'd be like if we just suddenly discovered, you know what, asbestos. Is really good for you. Yeah, and then we threw that guy under the bus, and it turns out he it was good all along.
1: He was he was fine. He was fine. I yeah I was I was very uh, yeah I was very overweight, but I lost it over two years. But I was on a kids show during the time that I was fat, and so my awkward teenage years are in reruns.
2: So you're sort of a Tina Yothers type. Do you remember her? Uh uh-uh. uh That's like. That is not a current reference. <laughs> okay, so Tina Yeathers was on, was it Family Ties? And she was blonde and really oh, yeah, cute. Yeah. But she was always like a little rounder and chubbier. And like that's a hard thing to do in, in front of um, America. And then did she go through a whole eating disorder thing? <sighs> I'm going to get, but doesn't every child actor that's going through puberty, yes. right? Because that's – except maybe Christina Applegate. She was always perfect.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, I don't know. It's It's been fascinating to me to be married to my wife and her family who are all like perfectly – They smooth. have a
2: healthy attitude toward food. Like my husband will eat half a candy bar and then forget it.
1: But does he – but what I was going to say is that my wife and her sisters still obsess about – like, I'm not sure they have the the most normal relationship with food, but it doesn't reveal itself in the way that it does for me. In that, like, I don't know if anyone's getting off scot free after 22. I think right. everyone's worried That's about that. That's a
2: good it. point. Yeah, yeah. Although not my husband. He's no. like 6'4, skinny, everyone in his family, tall and skinny.
1: The nerve.
2: Like, every once every few months, he'll be like, ah, I'm getting skinny fat. Mm. You know, skinny fat. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right. And no one wants that. But, um, Maybe if just if you're really tall, it spreads out. But yeah, he's made. You're right. There aren't that many people that get off scot-free after a certain age. But I don't know. When you had those hundred pounds, like, was this a daily obsession? Like, I'm gonna lose this. I'm gonna stop doing this. I'm gonna. I don't want to be in this body. I right. Like, or were you like, I'm just a fat kid?
1: No, I hated being. I was from my mom's family. Like, I come from bigger people. And after you were conceived they were eating corned beef, what did you think was gonna happen? <laughs> what did you think was gonna happen? I mean, if they took the bread off, it would have been keto. <laughs> <laughs> You're so right. Um yeah, I, I come from bigger people and I hated that I hated that stigma of like, oh, the pecs are the big people. Is, is everyone big? Pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're yeah, we're just And I just didn't like that thing. And then when I got into acting, you were sort of relegated to the buddy or the bully. Right. As a fat kid. Sure. And I thought that was kind of shitty. So I was never comfortable. You probably know Jerry O'Connell. I don't know him, but I know that he was like the first fat kid. He was the OG. I heard you can't bring it up with him. Oh, really? Like it's that (gasps) sensitive.
2: Because now he's incredibly good looking, ripped, got a supermodel wife, I think.
1: Rebecca Romijn. Yeah. John's ex.
2: Right. Right. Maybe that's why I thought you'd know each other.
1: No, I mean, yeah, I guess I think he's like in his 40s. I feel like he's a little older. But I mean, I know he was. Yeah, he was the OG. And did you think I want to I don't want to be this because I
2: want to get better parts? Or did you physically feel bad in your body or both?
1: All of it. I hate I hated everything that came with it. I hated that this is such a, a good example. Have you heard about this guy, Andy Ruiz? No. So the heavyweight boxing
2: <gasps> title. Yes.
1: Was yes. just transferred to a guy yes. named Andy Ruiz. Okay. Yes. He beat this guy. First An- Mexican heavyweight. First Mexican I heavyweight. I learned this on your show. He beat this guy, Anthony Joshua. Who should have taken it. Gorgeous. 6'6". Looks like he's cut out a marble dude from the UK. And Andy Ruiz is like six feet 270. So he's a big boy. And if you look at pictures, he's not in the best of shape, but he's an incredible boxer. Beat Anthony Joshua, just mopped the floor with him, broke history, and every single tweet was, can you believe this, fat fuck? Every single tweet was, good for this fatty. (laughs) Do you think Charles Barkley
2: felt like, hey, uh, I... Let me reach out to you because I was once the fat guy on the basketball team. Right. You know, people used to throw pizza boxes out when he was in college onto the court. Really? Yeah. To just like troll him. I love that. That was pre internet trolling. You'd actually physically throw a pizza box onto a court to be like, You fat fuck, but that guy's an incredible athlete.
1: And because we're so obsessed with With fatness. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like weirdly the thing that people can still be racist about. <laughs> like, I know. You can be prejudiced openly about I've it. I've
2: given this so much thought because I remember thinking, and not really proud of this, but standing in front of a, of, of a meeting many years ago like in front <laughs> of a church or a, the log cabin or wherever it was. Awesome. And, and being like, I'm going to be so embarrassed right now. I, if anybody drives by, I pray, I hope and pray that they think that I'm here for the Narcotics Anonymous meeting.
1: Right. Because there's like a hierarchy of self-help.
2: Yeah, I just would be, I thought like that at least has some kind of an edginess to it. But I feel like an addiction is is an addiction. If you have a food addiction, you're wearing it and you can't hide it. And I feel like when people die of it, and they frequently do, nobody says that. Like you don't go, John Candy couldn't stop eating. Right. And, and, and it's so sad. And I don't know him. I mean, anything about him. It's just, just an example I pulled out. He maybe might have had m- many other problems. But, you know, having 100 pounds isn't great for you. Mm. And if you're, like, alone drinking or using or gambling or whatever, um, that's, like, something that you can hide for a while. But if you are very overweight,
1: we all know. Right. We all know. And it's also like people go, stop it. Just stop it. Have some self-control. But they don't say that if you're drinking. Maybe they do.
2: It, less, less. There's more of an understanding that you can't, because many times when I was in the middle of a binge, like there's no way my willpower would have worked, because I wanted to stop so bad. I remember even being in a cab in New York City with a New York City bagel, cinnamon raisin from Bagels on the Square. Great. The, the raisins on the outside. Sorry, trigger warning for people <laughs> of eating <laughs> You can't mention specific foods, and you know right. whatever. But um, here on Curious the podcast, so I had a giant, like the size of a human head, and I was like, "I'm just." I bought extra ones because I'm gonna g- give these to where you know to the to the person I'm meeting, and in the cab. And I was like, "I'll just have a bite. I'll just have another bite." Well, now I've gone through one bagel. Now I've gone through two, and I like thought, "I I have to throw the third one out the window of this cab. I have to throw it, but I couldn't, and like." I, this is real. This is really happening. So like the, the the pull and the craving for me was was as strong as and, I, and again, I don't I, that's the only substance that I've had this issue with. But I, I really couldn't put it down. I just
1: couldn't put it down. Where did it I know you had mentioned that, like, your first sort of interaction with that was moving back to your mom's house and being greeted with hot cocoa.
2: Yeah. 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 As soon as when my dad traded for me.
1: <laughs> you're like a Pokemon guard. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I was like a uh, little orphan Pikachu. <laughs> Juzard.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I got there, and my first conscious memory is like a mug of hot chocolate, and it had little marshmallows floating in it. And I thought, this is going to be okay. She she loves me enough to put these marshmallows in my cocoa and you know then I was a ballet dancer and there was a whole life of like how can I make my body something it's not and uh, a lot of sneak eating, and it got way, 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 way worse in, when I went off to, to college. Um, and then and I would just gain and, and I thought, like, well, I'm not 100 pounds overweight, so I must not have a thing. And I don't throw up my food, so I must not have a thing. But I would starve, 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 starve for a long time. Then I would binge. So my weight would fluctuate, and the fluctuation was getting bigger. So it'd be like, oh, I'd be a size four, six, eight. 10, 12, and then back down to four, six, eight. Now I'm a 14. Now I'm a two. And um, I, it, was, it was very miserable.
1: Yeah. And did you find, it's interesting because I I have a friend who's struggled with it her whole life. And whenever her mom or like friends of hers have s- sought my counsel, just because they know I'm sort of familiar with that that world, um, they've said, you know, we just want her to be able to eat normally. And what I've said before okay. is, like, it, it'll never happen. And that's the good news. Like they say, a person without his legs isn't going to grow his legs back.
2: Right. Right? You just, when you, you're one of the few people I've ever met that's lost 100 pounds
1: and kept it off. Really? Yeah. I guess so. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. That's not in a program for well, that. I mean, because when, it, it eventually all becomes the same thing, yes. right? Do you, you like, do you have your struggles now? Does it fluctuate?
2: Do you, like, do you have a moment where you're, like, I'm, this isn't a good, like, I'm not in a
1: good place with these cheese fries. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I, all the time. I mean, I don't wake up ever in the mood for salad. That does not happen. Breakfast salad? No, I want French toast. So good. Um, but I, uh. Here's the thing, it's like smoking. I smoke sometimes, and it's never taken, I have an addictive personality, but like when it comes to gambling or smoking or eating, I can somehow manage it. Eating's a little more obsessive, but like I can spend 200 bucks at the casino, have no desire to go back. One cigarette and that's all you need. Done. So with food, it's like I know there's a better way. That if I had a proper food plan, I would be freed up from some of this obsession I'm allowing my mind to have. And this managing of like, okay, if I overdo lunch, but go really light on dinner, then it'll be a wash. Right. Right. So I know that that there are levels in which I could be achieving, but I'm also like, fuck it.
2: Good enough. I manage. It, you're managing, and it's okay. Back in your day, when you were 100 pounds, did you 100 pounds overweight? Did you have like a binge? Like, do you have a good binge story?
1: Let me walk you through, please. Because <laughs> then I want yours.
2: I uh, oh my gosh! I mean, listen. I threw the bagel out. The no, I didn't throw the bagel out. I couldn't. You out had the, the window third of the too? cab.
1: Had the third. Yeah. Good for you. I um. Well, what I used to do as a kid is I lived in a big. Uh, we moved to the Valley when I was 14, North Hollywood.
2: Mm -hmm. We lived in
1: a big apartment complex that had a vending machine in it. Uh Uh-oh. And so at night, Mm -hmm. after a full day of like probably not eating great, I would sneak into my mom's room, get a fistful of change from her drawer. (laughs) And I would mosey. You were in North Hollywood. Wait, what age are you? This was, we moved when I was 14. Okay, 14. All right. Yeah. And I would mosey on down to that vending machine. And we all know the tears of a vending machine. Gums on the bottom, gummies on the bottom, mm-hmm. top rows chips, <laughs> <laughs> appetizer, right. So you start off with a nice chip, maybe you know That's, sour cream and onion. Yep, uh, not nothing bad about that. Middle row chocolate. That's where you get in your Twix, Snickers maybe, Snickers. Okay, maybe a bunch of crunch.
2: Now, are you a bunch of crunch? <laughs> Do you take enough change
1: for all three courses? Well, there's there's four. A oh, four. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Dessert. So then, entree, cookies. Cookies. Yeah, the, those black and white. The grandma, the, cro- the mini mm-hmm. vanilla sandwich grandma's cookies. Yes, cookie. yeah. yes, so good. And then wash it down
2: with some gummies. And then the gummies. Yeah. I can see how that would be like a nice sorbet cleanser. Yeah. It's just fruity, and it's light. Yeah. Because you've already done the Snickers <laughs> and the chips, <gyms. laughs> but not, nothing from the gum row. The gum row? No. Just to like, no. Okay, (laughs) that would be like, say, having a glass of port
1: after. Mm, No, like I would do the gum row now to deceive myself. Yes, there's a
2: lot of gum. People with eating issues are always smack. Listen, it's your Buble and your Lacroix and your gum and your mints.
1: Now, have you? When I last heard you on on the podcast, you had sworn you hadn't eaten anything like any sweets or bad food for like ten years. Yeah, it's up to eighteen. Re- well I just
2: don't have sugar I don't have I try and do two things to keep it simple I try and not binge which mm. is sort of a great thing like if you one thing about drinking and drugs it's like you're doing it or you're not yes um, with food you've got to eat you know three times a day or in my case five so like do two snacks um, but I, I, I had like I knew that there were some red light foods that just I couldn't eat like a lady and it was just going to go poorly what is it like what um, are you <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's like, there's red, there's green, there's yellow. <laughs> but um, so like candy, everything in that vending machine, except for the salty stuff. Like there's no, I haven't had a Twix or a, because I would be like running to, when I was living on Oxford Avenue in Koreatown, I remember running to the gas station with whatever change I could find to get the minis. Because somehow in my mind that like, you know, those mini Halloween size Twix? Bite size. Bite size. Fun. But fun I, size. Fun fun it's so fun to be compulsively eating at two in the morning in front of a chevron great what could be better while like promising myself i'm getting because i was a writer then i was writing on win ben stein's money for comedy central and all i wanted to do was get across like be in front of the camera i just thought like but i i i was i was eating a bag of fun-sized twigs in front of the chevron I don't know. That's what I was doing, and I could, I, I, I couldn't stop doing it. But um, when when you were doing your um, vending, mm. you got the change, and I was think, were things different prices? Like the cookies were more.
1: Oh yeah, cookies were. That was that's a dollar twenty five, sometimes. Yeah.
2: And you had moved to North Hollywood because of your career. Yes. Right. So your mom leaves her job, mm. and you come out here. But it's okay to be chubby work wise because that's
1: that's your thing. You're the bully or the... Yeah, I'm already fat. You're already fat. So now it's just gradations of fatness. (laughs) (laughs) Graviations. (laughs) Yeah, where on the spectrum? (laughs) Are you? Oh, yeah.
2: And did you have feelings around it? Or was it like, I'm just a fat kid and this is what I do? Or did you think, I I don't want to be doing this? or, Or did you hide it?
1: It was just so shameful because I felt as though my mom and I were like this weird black sheep. Like everything about me was different. Like I didn't have the dad. Mm -hmm. I wasn't good at sports. I was in the like fucking musical theater. Right. Like I've got, you know, the single mom who's like we're Jews. Like she's got the accent. So much different. Right. There's (laughs) so much different. So Fucking different. And all I would do is walk around my school and see my friends or watch TV and be like, why can't I just be like these people?
2: Right. I want to be normal. That's happiness. That's happiness. Is it, But is it? No.
1: Nobody's happy. Nobody's happy. No one's happy. You're,
2: you're going to be happy here and there. Kevin's in great shape. He's miserable. <laughs> do you go home and cry yourself? Do you eat the little cookies and then wash <laughs> it down with the gummies? I
0: have, yeah.
1: Yeah. Come see, on. Right? Sometimes. All
2: you're gonna get is some moments of real joy and connection. Just be present for those and like stay away from the
1: vending machine. At the all-star baseball game. Uh,
2: yes. Yes. Yes.
1: Just mm-hmm. watching my baby. What was there any like? great Do you have any epic? I mean, the the bagel in the taxi is pretty good. I mean, I would bore. I like. I would bore
2: you because this was many years of this. Like, I like the M&M, M&M story. M&M story. I've eaten the whole like giant um, heart size Valentine's chocolate. That's like <laughs> this. I know this is radio, and I'm doing it. I, I don't know. Is that a pound? How many pounds? Teresa
1: has an impressive wingspan, and she looks as though she's like. Hugging a barrel. I'm doing like in
2: Pilates. This would be tree hug a tree. Yeah, and uh, yeah, ate that whole Russell Stover. Yeah, might have been a Whitman's. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) but when you get down to the orange cream chew, you didn't want to have that. No, nobody has that. That's not you're not choosing. That's when you're compelled to have it. And I realize how stupid this sounds because you know, like it's again. This is why I wanted to be caught in front of the NA meeting. Yes. Right. Because you're 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 that that's a thing that people understand. You're it's permanent midnight. It's sexier. Yeah. It's not vending machine at midnight. It's you know. Yeah. It's sexier.
1: I interviewed Jeff Garland, who has sort of lost a bunch of weight and publicly gone through it. He's talked about that. Yeah. And he said something much like you, where he said, I don't need any sugar. He's like, but I'm also not going to not put a little ketchup on my eggs.
2: Yeah. So for my first four years, I wouldn't even have ketchup.
1: And that's what I needed to do because
2: I had gotten so bad that I just I needed to do that. And I needed a lot of support and I would get a ton of support um, in, in, you know. Meetings Um am trying to like dance I'm trying to talk about it In a way that's you're supposed to Because it's kind of a Right There's right. some
1: limitations I talk about it a little bit I try not to Call it by name Our secret right. club secret I think club. everyone knows I would go
2: to club meetings A lot Yes And also that would just help me Because like How am I going to get From like Lunch to dinner I really just couldn't get there Like And how am I going to get um, Like After dinner What am I going to do I'm like I'm lonely I'm living with a couple cats I'm like living in Koreatown next to a halfway house. Yeah, I don't know what to do with myself, and so that would de- even even if I didn't learn anything very valuable or spiritual, I have some sort of magical moment in, in in these meetings, which I frequently did. But even if I didn't, that still killed two hours, and then you could just go to bed and be done with it.
1: Did you do any weighing and measuring?
2: Um, I think at first I might have, but I don't think that was for me, and I think that works for some people, right? But I just I no. Because then I thought like, oh, then I don't want to be that. I can't be going around with a scale. I got to live. right And hence why I use ketchup. And, um, and you know, if there's like, uh, yeah, there's things like I didn't use to eat pizza, say, because there was no such thing as having a piece. Once I had a piece, the phenomenon of craving had been <laughs> like ignited. And I, I was like, I couldn't eat that like a lady at all. And like now... There's, when you have kids, almost every event involves pizza. So I can like now have a piece, but sometimes it's too, it doesn't feel great. It's not my best choice. Sure. But you know, some, right? Like you, you may have the, those moments where like this wasn't I uh, I shouldn't have had this French toast. I had pizza
1: earlier today. I'll be honest, Teresa. <laughs> I'm not a perfect <laughs> man. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, but I, I just think that's is the most interesting part of, of all of it. Addiction in general is like. Freedom through surrender is surrendering yes. the idea that we'll ever have a healthy relationship with it. I I, I
2: love that. When I walked, you know, I my mean, first time I I went to a meeting. It was for for alcohol, and I was going with a friend because I happened to be staying that friend with that friend, and I was tagging along. And I thought I relate to every single thing everyone in here is saying. Just substitute, you know, food for alcohol. Yeah. This is, and um, the idea that like I can't on my own, fix this. I, I need some some other, some higher thing. I, I, and, and that I like to surrender this. Like, I can't do this. These other people figured out how to, how to do this. So if I just do what they did, you know, may, maybe I can feel better. And that, that was a really, I, I remember thinking like, oh, I, yes, because if I could have done this, it would have already happened because I've literally been on 4,000 diets. Yes. Right? Like the cabbage or the Atkins or the weight, well, like one of these things would have taken hold.
1: The rice diet, did you ever do that No, one? what is that one? I think you just eat rice. That's <laughs> it? It's pretty minimal. I think it's like a bowl of rice, like it's some sort of cabbage soup in the morning, mm-hmm. bowl of rice for lunch, you're done. And then you, and that's it. I think they used to do that at Duke. Remember where people would go to lose weight? Did you no. ever hear about this? No, tell me. My mom went and it was it was big in the 80s and 90s and it was in Duke in North Carolina and they had like a weight loss institute where you were overseen by doctors and they it was to jumpstart you and you'd go for a week or two and they would give you a certain diet and you'd eat and you'd lose a bunch to sort of inspire you to keep it going once you get a head
2: start. Yeah. And she went?
1: Yeah. Did she like it? Yeah, I mean it's like all these things. It worked. Everything while there.
2: Yeah, yeah. And then I guess the question is, what? Why? Why am I at the Chevron? Why? What made? Like, what are the? What is happening? Did you ever go for the king size
1: instead of the fun size?
2: No. <sighs> I there when I was trick or treating, there was a, <laughs> there was definitely the one house that gave out the king size, but you had to drive there.
1: Worth it. So worth it. God bless those people. Were
2: you m- Manhattan trick or treating?
1: Yeah, but you would do, okay, so if you lived in an apartment building, people would sign up with the doorman, if you had a doorman, so we'd go to my friend's house who had a doorman, and they would say, 3B, 4D, 5L, all these people are a go to go get candy, <laughs> <laughs> and you'd ride the elevator, <laughs> ride the white lightning all the way to those apartments.
2: With your pillowcase or whatever, your yeah. little jack lantern bucket.
1: Yeah, well, for me, it was, you know, a tarp. <laughs> no, <it> was, <laughs> it was you and
2: your tarp.
1: Duffel bag.
2: The duffel. And then how long would the candy last?
1: I don't know. I mean, you know, my mom interjected pretty quickly and was like, you shouldn't. I mean, that was also the weird thing, too, is that we we never, I would go over to friends' houses and raid their closets because at my house was like fucking snack wells. Oh,
2: my God. We had the snack wells, the grape nuts. The diet food. Can you believe fat is good now? It's so i so odd. happy. Like I I was scared of avocados for a solid decade and did not eat a nut. Now that's all I eat.
1: I didn't even know avocados existed till 10 <laughs> years ago. Like where did this crazy thing come from? And now it's good for us to eat fat. It was just reserved for Latin people, I think, for a long time. Yes. It's like a staple of the Latin diet. <sighs> Thank you Latin people and for they sharing this. Blessed the Bless you. the rest of us with it. Yeah. Um last question, what I ask all people on this pod What are your one or two Teresa Strasser commandments, truths that you have discovered that you'd want to impress upon someone else?
2: Okay, Mike, truths that I've discovered that I would, wow, I guess I must have listened to so many of your shows that I didn't make to the most critical two minutes of them (laughs) where I could have uh, always be prepared. Mm, Nice. Right? Like that. See how I turned it around. Beautifully done. Um, But that is really true. Except in, in this case, I thought I could have been more prepared. Um, um, let's see. Everything passes. Everything passes. Good, bad, neutral. It's all going to pass. Um, the other thing that I am working, that I that is a truth um, that I'm working on still. So I haven't perfected this one. But here's some version of it. Um Pick your battles, and there are no battles. Just don't get into it. Do you know? Does that make sense? Yeah. Because almost every time I, I I felt something arise in me, like I I I have to like I have I have to have a conflict with this person. An hour later, that feeling is passed. Whereas if I had engaged in, in the conflict, then I would have created a whole bunch of bad feelings all around. So the older I get, the more I I could feel like I want to correct your shit right now. Yes. <laughs> but when I just like I I feel it, and then I I if I'm lucky enough to have a moment to decide, to sit on it for a second, it almost always doesn't matter to me in a day or an hour. Pause when agitated. Yes. Let's
1: go get a pizza with corned beef. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Then we'll hit up a vending machine. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is so great. That was it. That was Teresa. So good. Oh, man. I really enjoyed that, guys. I hope you did, too. Uh, again, her podcast is called Easy Listening. Give it a listen. And yeah, man, couple more weeks left to the new year of this year. What's it going to be? I don't know. <laughs> you know what it's going to be? It's going to be just... Fine. You're going to listen to my podcast? And listen, We no weeks off over here. My engineer, Kevin, God bless him. He said, listen, we don't have any commercials for the last episode of the year. You want to take the rest of the year off? I said, are you crazy? Listen, there are people who are in some ungodly parts of this country. I don't want to say where, but Toledo, you know. Wichita, I don't. I actually, I've never been to those places. I'm sure they're lovely, but there are going to be people on the last Tuesday of December with their fucking freak of a family, and their only reprieve is going to be the Curious Podcast with me, your host Josh Peck, and thus we don't no weeks off over here. We are coming to you live, not live, pre-taped and direct every week from now until infinity or until I stop getting commercials which subsidize this podcast and in turn my family. Thank you for listening. G- Goodbye. God bless.